This episode of Light Source is brought to you by Squarespace.com. For fast, easy publishing of a professional website, check out photographers.squarespace.com slash ls. And when you sign up, use the promo code LS1 to receive a 10% discount. Hi, this is Dave Phil. You guys are listening to the Light Source Podcast. Have a good time. Thanks. And welcome to episode 58 of Light Source, the official podcast of StudioLighting.net, the website introducing photographers to portrait and studio lighting equipment and techniques. I'm Bill Crawford, publisher. And I'm Ed Hidden, exclusive photographer with iStockPhoto.com. On today's episode, we have with us a great interview with one of my favorite photographers, Dave Hill. Dave is one of those photographers that if you don't recognize his name, that means that you don't spend any time on any photography forum, it seems. (laughs) It seems like every forum out there has some sort of thread that's devoted to how to get the Dave Hill look. So, uh, yeah, we talked to him and uh, he spills the beans on everything for us, right? Absolutely. Yeah. We know all of his tricks now. <laughs> yes, now we can just dive right into it and uh, we can start creating our images. Right. I think one of the best things about this interview is that Dave just gives really solid advice about how he got to where he is. So that was my favorite part. I think that the secret is there's no secret. Yeah. that That's you always hope that there's like a that he has a, a make Dave Hill art button on his computer. but. <laughs> right. It's just kind of nice to know that it's obvious in his work, though. I mean, it's obvious that he he spends a lot of time massaging his image and and getting those to where they they look the way that they do. And I think it's pretty evident. Absolutely. So it's going to be a great show. And he's from Nashville, right? Yes, he is. He's actually friends with David Bean, who was on our show previously. I'm telling you, there's a lot of really good stuff going on in Nashville. Even aside from the music. Some good photography coming out of there. That's a great interview. I think everybody's really going to enjoy that. Well, I saw something that's going to be coming out pretty soon that I thought we should talk about. It's uh, Delkin Devices, uh, website's www.delkin.com. In their card reader section, they have a thing called an image router that's coming up. Now, I'm familiar with wireless routers and networking routers, but I was like, what's an image router? And it's this truck-looking mechanism that has a little USB dongle sticking on the end of it that seems like it plugs into a computer or a laptop or something. And you stick four CF cards in the top of it to download all the images at one time as though you were going through a single slot reader. That's pretty neat. It does look like a truck, by the way. It does look like a truck. It's like a pot. (laughs) And it says on the site that it's a built-in powered hub so you could actually connect multiple routers together. Oh my gosh. It's pretty neat. It'll it'll transfer all the images from your CF cards automatically at a high speed rate. So this would be great for in a studio, wouldn't it? That'd be very cool. I'm trying to think about picturing this on like the next iStockalypse or whatever, where you have, I could just see having like six of these stacked back to back and just everyone come over and just stick their cards in. Right. Oh, I wonder how that would work on like a workshop type thing. Hmm. I don't know. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool looking. Yeah. There's a new book out that is getting a little bit of attention online by a really popular photographer, Joe McNally. I've heard of him before. Yes. He's probably probably one of the most famous photographers, at least, you know, of our time right now. But Joe wrote a book called The Moment It Clicks, Secrets from One of the World's Top Shooters. Now, who's the top shooter that he's talking about? I'm thinking it's him. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, but <laughs> the cover of it's very striking, and I've seen it talked about on Photoshop user TV. I mean, Scott couldn't speak highly enough about it. So, I mean, I'm anxious to pick it up and take a look through it. 
Yeah, it looks like a great book. I could definitely get into a new book. Some of my favorites are people that we've had on the show. Like the Michael Greco book was one that I continually pick up. Let's see what we can do about getting Joe on the show. Oh, that would be great, wouldn't it? That would. We'll do our best. Oh, I mentioned about workshops with Image Router. The Prince of Cheat that we have on uh, studiolighting.net is going to be doing a monster lighting tactic workshop in Long Beach, California on March 23rd. I believe March 23rd. So if you want to shoot with David and learn some live working with DIY setups, live models, special effects such as gel and smoke. Ooh, smoke. I want to I work with smoke. Yeah, me too. That sounds cool. How to conquer natural light, combine flash and natural light, and much, much more. You can check it out at studiolighting.net or you can RSVP at destrianlives at yahoo.com. It's D-E-S-T-R-I-A-N-L-I-V-E-S at yahoo.com. Or you can give them a call at 323-351-3142. And if any of you guys are fans of the Prince of Cheap from our website, you know that that's going to be packed full of pretty cool tricks and techniques for lighting on a budget. But also, one of the reasons that Dave Hill has come on this show is to promote an art show of his. Well, he's one of several photographers that's coming up in L.A. It's at the Coos Art Center. It's called PhotoPass, and it's an exhibition of music photography. So. If you're into photography of musicians and that sort of thing, there's going to be a lot of really neat stuff at this expo based on the people that are exhibiting. We've got Dave Hill, Tim Harmon, Lisa Johnson, Kevin Knight, Pamela Litke, Leanne Miller, Brian Sheffield, and Neil Weisel. So all these guys have work that's going to be on exhibit at the Art Center. And it's from March 8th to March 22nd in Los Angeles, California. So if you're in the area, you could check out that as well. You know what we should do? I was just looking at the dates on this. We should see if we could get David, the Prince of Cheap, to take his group a day earlier to go see the exhibit. That's a great idea. Yeah, there we go. We just made his uh, workshop even harder. <laughs> right. You could at least on your own visit the art show and then head down to the Destrian's workshop. We had, um, there's a lot of discussion that goes on in the Light Source Flickr group, but there was one thread that was pretty cool, but it got pretty much missed. A user by the name of Ami Siano, or at least that's his username, and I'm sure I mispronounced it, but I'm sorry. Uh, he asked about doing group photo assignments, something like a monthly thing where everybody takes part and can do so. I like this idea personally. Well, I tell you what, everyone just kind of like go to the, that thread and see what you think about it and contribute and see if it's, if it's something that you guys would like us to assign to you. I personally love getting an idea to shoot. kind of gives me a little more reason to, to do stuff instead of just not shooting. Right. It always helps to have a little bit of motivation, you know? Yeah, so we'll have to work on that for our next episode. We'll start see if we can get them showing up in the threads. Sounds good. We also would like to take a moment to talk about our sponsor. And yes, we are sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking to build an online portfolio for a system built for photographers, check out photographers.squarespace.com slash ls. And if you want to save 10% on your order, you can use the coupon code LS1 to get a 10% discount on your registration when you sign up. Uh, if you want to, you can check it out and try it out for free for 30 days. See what you think. And uh, we encourage you guys to go out and check out that product so you can let us know what you think of it as well. We'll continue to have some of that discussion because the guys from Squarespace are also really interested in making this product work for the photography industry. So definitely give it a shot and feel free to comment in the show notes or on the Flickr group about it. Thank you. 
And on this edition of The Light Source, we have with us this evening a very talented photographer, an amazing post-production style. I've been a big fan of his work for quite some time now, and uh, name's been brought up a number of times on the forum. We have with us this evening Dave Hill. Hey, guys. What's up? How much? Thanks for coming on with us. No problem, man. So, I mean, you have a, a very recognizable style. How does it feel to have a, a whole genre of photography named after you? <laughs> uh, it feels like kind of like a hoax. <laughs> I feel like I've tricked somebody or paid off some people to say that. Um, but you know, it's also very flattering and pretty exciting and fun to read forums and stuff. And I don't know. <laughs> It's definitely a cool thing. I can't complain. It's got to be amazing. And I find it really interesting at how many different recipes of people who have tried to imitate your look are, are out there. It's, just, it's funny because I feel like I've, I've tried to imitate lots of people's looks, you know. I feel like that's all I've done to get there is just copy what I like in other people's work. And then all of a sudden it's like my style. I'm kind of like, okay. <laughs> but um, I, I'll definitely take the compliments and stuff. But sometimes, yeah, I definitely feel like I wish people could look out there and see all these other guys doing the same thing but better, in my opinion, and go, you know, there's other guys doing it too. So, But I'm flattered. Thank you, people. <laughs> Before we get into uh, trying to see what we can uh, get you to share about your post-processing, where did you get inspired by your the style that you have now? Um, let's see. I started out doing, um, I was a university photographer for Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles. It was right out of college. I did lots of uh, kind of like press shots for uh, professors and just for athletes and stuff. And we had a set of Speedatron lights there, and that was the first time I got to use lights, really. And kind of started playing with those, and uh, I just kind of was drawn to the studio lighting look, I guess you could say. As the years went on, I ended up buying some white lightnings and got, getting a Vagabond little remote battery pack and kind of started doing some lighting setups outside, like away from, from power plugs and stuff. I just loved the way that a subject outside with lights underexposed in the background. I just loved the way that looked. So I kind of sought out people who were doing that already and kind of studying the way they lit things. And I guess I finally started noticing people were actually compositing and, you know, putting in their own backgrounds and, and that frees you up even more. So I guess from there, I just kind of started playing with compositing and photoshopping lights out of scenes and just kind of playing around with the boundaries of what could be done that way. So it's kind of an eventual evolution process. How long have you been in photography in general? It sounds like you started out in college. Is that... Um, my dad gave me a, a little uh, SLR, like a Fuji or something like that when I was in second grade. But nice. pretty much up until I was 18, all I shot was like my friends, snowboarding, skating, stuff like that. And I, got, I went to UCLA, I was a history major, uh, didn't use my degree, but it was fun. <laughs> and uh, I was uh, my freshman year. I think my friend was like, you know, you could, you could shoot for the newspaper here at school, and they actually pay people like ten bucks an assignment. You know, you get your camera and go out and shoot for UCLA. So I decided, hey, what the heck, I'll try it. And uh, I went out and bought a Nikon D70, no, Nikon N70, uh, 35 millimeter SLR, and then got one flash, like a Vivitar 285, and a couple lenses, and then started shooting for the paper there. And that was in, I guess, '97. Uh, I shot for the paper for I guess, four years, doing all types of sports, photojournalism types. Stuff. Loved doing that stuff, but kind of started getting into the lights at that time. And right when I graduated in 2001, I got that job at Loyola Marymount. Shot there for two years. After that, moved to Nashville, Tennessee on a total whim. I uh, followed my brother out here. He moved here first and came out here. That's when I started really doing freelance, you know, more than I was working for an employer. I had a bunch of odd jobs and tried to shoot as much as I could and just kind of, you know, refine my lighting style as best I could. That's kind of my little story of how I got started. It's been about 10 years now of shooting a lot, I guess. And now you've got some real heavy-hitting clients, which is really exciting looking through your portfolio. How did you get into the kind of music scene? Music, it's just, I don't know, it was always easy for me. I've always played in bands and just kind of been around that. And especially when I came to Nashville, it seemed like all there was to shoot here was musicians. So. Right. 
I started doing that, and I just, it was always easy to shoot a band, you know? It was like always a group of guys who really wanted pictures, you know? It's hard to get a friend to pose as a model, but bands always want shots, so... I just started shooting a lot of bands, and I put up flyers all over town for a hundred dollar band shoots. And I actually like was what I can kind of like count most of my success or whatever too is just these hundred dollar band shoots. I did probably thirty of them my first year here in town, and through a couple of those bands, you know, they actually knew people at labels here in town that you know actually had real budgets and stuff. So through those couple of those shoots, I got to have some interviews and meetings with people here in town at labels, and from there it just kind of started to pick up. And all of a sudden, I was doing lots of bands and lots of music stuff, and then from there, even you know magazines and stuff but it always just seemed like second nature to shoot musicians for me because they were all around me and my brother's one and it was kind of an easy transition i guess that's really cool now you said shooting bands was was kind of easy for you but when i look at the complexity of some of your lighting because by the way for anybody who hasn't been to dave hill's website he's got a whole bunch of really great behind the scenes stuff so it's fun to watch because you have all these lights everywhere how do you control light with multiple subjects? Like, do you find that challenging, or is there? Well, when I first started out shooting bands, I would I would light it with a few lights and just you know I like it, but then I would find that you know a couple guys in the back wouldn't have the light right in their face, and I just there's always a couple guys looking bad. So after that, I kind of started I would composite them and I would I would position them all out in the way I wanted to, set my camera on a tripod, and then I would just go around and shoot each one individually with a whole different lighting setup on each guy, okay. making sure each one was looking perfect. And I, I still do that to some extent with a lot of bands, but it just becomes a lot of work, you know. <laughs> and I think then I, I kind of started to realize I could get a lot of the same look would not compose me if I just took more time lighting it, used flags, you know, actually set it up better instead of being lazy. I'd say more recently, I, I do that much less for bands than I did before. I do more, you know, just one shot and then kind of that's it. But I've, I've learned to light their faces more evenly and stuff like that, so it doesn't bother me as much. That makes a lot of sense. So now you, you've mentioned before you do a lot of compositing work, or you have in the past. When you do your composite ideas, do you find that do you have the finished shot in your head and then composite all the pieces together? Or do you have like the background and then you shoot for the subject for those backgrounds? What's what's your process when you're doing a, a composite? I guess it depends. You know, for some of the band promo stuff I was talking about, those are just very spur of the moment. You get to a location, you're like, okay, this is cool. You set it up, you shoot them all, you kind of pose them how you think is, is cool, and you light them all separately, and, and there you go. But for the more ad type stuff, you know, I'll plan it ahead of time. We'll sketch it out. Everything's shot, you know, specifically where they're supposed to be. And it's very more of a planned out type thing. I actually enjoy I love doing that stuff. And I definitely do a lot of compositing still. It's just with the bands, I've kind of pulled back. But I love doing compositing for ad work. I love doing one image and spending a week on one image. That's really fun for me. That stuff's all planned out. And usually I'll shoot, like, the main elements in the studio. Then I have to go through and just shoot backgrounds and foreground elements, all that kind of stuff. It takes way too much time, but it's fun. Right. <laughs> Are there any lighting tricks that make compositing easier for you that you've learned over the years? Well, the tripod's like key, I guess. That's pretty obvious. But like for the, the band composites and stuff, you know, to shoot every guy, you, all the lights are in the shot, obviously, every time you shoot the guy. So you kind of, what I've started to do is uh, I flag. I use my hand as flag. I'm pretty lazy. <laughs> and so I have, a little, I have a little remote switch, and I'll just I point my camera, and there'll be two lights clearly in the shot behind the subject, you know. And if you didn't have a flag, it would just be nasty flare. So instead of, uh, you know, having guys hold flags, I'll just hold my two hands out in front, use my remote switch, and just fire away with my thumbs in the shot. That's awesome. um, and art directors, you always got to like warn them before you send them some raw files <laughs> to look at them and be like, you know, your hands are in the shot, right? <laughs> like, I know, I know. And you like, I bite my nails and my nasty hand is in the shot. And they're like, what is this? But um, it's kind of a getaway to get around flags. That's awesome. But it works. I mean, I don't know. That's, that's one lining trick, I guess you could say, that I do sometimes. I'm going to have to try that. 
you'll see some of the behind the scenes videos. You'll see I'm trying to like hold the ring light out with my hands. It's just a mess sometimes. Or sometimes I use the ring light as a flag. I just hold it out in front of the lens so it kind of vignettes the lights away. Um, oh wow, okay. I, I had seen you I, doing that with some of those, with some of the ring lights in the behind the scenes videos that you had. You were you kind of had it off to the side of the lens. Is that what you were actually doing with it? You were trying to block? Um, I think the only time it's ever off, if it's off to the side, because I'm lazy and I can't hold it. And I, <laughs> I mean, I always want the look of it in front of the lens. But sometimes the subject's far enough away where you can kind of put it to the side and it doesn't make much difference. But yeah, usually I want it in front so I can help it. Here I am expecting you, you know, to get like these secrets of the universe, and it's like, yeah, just I was lazy. I just didn't. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know. That's I mean, honestly, what it's all about. I, I've never, I've never assisted anybody, and I've never really learned the way you should have. I guess. And back when I kind of started, there weren't forums or anything like there are now, and it would have been awesome. But I had to do much of it just from learning and trying. And I think a lot of things I do are kind of archaic or weird, but they work. I think it also has given you a unique look. I mean, I seriously think that you're really standing out with your work. It's recognizable, which is hard to achieve nowadays. Yeah, it's definitely, like, a lot of pressure, you know? Like, I was trying to one-up your own work. (laughs) That's, like, the worst thing. Before we leave the topic of ring flash, I'm kind of curious, because in one video you said, here's the secret to the Dave Hill lighting technique, and you're sitting there putting tape on the inside of your Uh, ring flash. I I don't know. People don't pick up on my sarcasm a lot. (laughs) (laughs) That's more of, like, a a pestering remark to the the formers, but... um, That's awesome. Yeah, I was was just joking. There was nothing there except that the ring light was too bright for what I was doing, and I was trying to make it darker with some tape. I thought that was pretty funny. But like, I've had a reflector on there. I've had to like spray the whole thing white, and I put black paint strips, and then I had tape. It's like the ring flash is always too bright. That's my story in my life. So you like to keep the power on the ring flash down? And see- I like it as a fill. If you can right. see it as a key, for me, that's too much. So Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so I was picturing all these guys running home and putting black tape inside there. Uh, that, that, that to me is why. I just, I, it's funny to me. I'm like, I bet you some tra- guy tried it. It was like disappointed. <laughs> it didn't do anything. <laughs> That's awesome. Kind of mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, it would be great to Google that and see if anyone picked it up anywhere. Oh, I heard that. Actually, it's probably some guys like, check out my photo. I used it the day to uh, tape look. And That's I'm right. Like, oh, man. That's right. <laughs> That's really funny. I'm also noticing that you use a beauty dish a lot. Is that uh? Um, that must have been old videos. I, I don't use it too much anymore. I think mine kind of broke and I haven't really replaced it. I like the beauty dish. I had the white lightning one and it had a, a lot of uh, orange kind of cast to it. So I kind of stopped using it. Okay. And for traveling, I do a lot more traveling now. And for traveling, it's kind of a, a hard thing to travel with. It doesn't fold down and it's not too collapsible. So right. pretty much all soft boxes now, if I can help it. Okay. Speaking about traveling, I was reading on your blog that you've had some interesting uh, travel experience here recently. It was the first week this year. I just had like five editorial assignments in one week, and it was one of those ridiculous, like, what am I doing with my life week? <laughs> <laughs> Everything goes wrong, and uh, just kind of a nightmare week, but I got through it, I guess. And, and then Southwest did a wonderful job with your baggage. They were, they were awesome. Yeah, they, they brought this thing out, and it was like, oh, sorry, our, our baggage car dropped it and dragged it for a quarter mile, but... <laughs> You know, how much is it worth? And I was just kind of thinking, oh, okay, they'll replace it someday. It's worth about, you know, 400 bucks or whatever. And, okay, here's a, here's a check for it. And I was like, oh, man, I could have told them anything. But, <laughs> oh, well, I didn't. I was honest, so. Well, now, speaking of gear, just kind of while we're on the topic, you had mentioned that when you first started out that you were shooting with some white lightning gear. A lot of people ask us, you know, how do I get started? What do I buy? Have you changed your gear selection over the years? Have you gone toward more expensive stuff? or how? To- Man, it's really embarrassing. I hope no art directors listen to this. Um, <laughs> actually, I hope they do because then they hire me, hopefully. But uh, <laughs> if they're not listening, I use great gear. Anyway, um, 
I, I got a bunch of white lightning, and ever since they've they've worked decently for me. I live in Nashville, so their their factory's like down the street, literally, and they replace anything in five years, no matter what. I feel like I'm selling lights, but I'm not. I just come a lot. So since then, I've I might have like six strobes, and that's pretty much it. White lightning. They worked for the last three years, so I tend to spend my money on other stuff besides gear, kind of like toys. Like I bought a motorcycle last year. Oh, sweet. That was fun. <laughs> I don't know. I need to upgrade eventually. Actually, I do have my ring light is a, a pro photo. Okay. I admit it's not all white lightning. Yeah, really. I like the pro photo ring light because it's very thin. I use a lot of prime lenses, and the prime lenses that are wide are kind of short and stubby. And if I used a, a white lightning one, they would kind of vignette no matter what. So. Gotcha. That's actually what I was hoping you would you were going to say because I think a lot of people get hung up on the gear, and it's very clear from your portfolio that that doesn't really have much to do with it. <laughs> it doesn't. I mean, I think you can get the same look as anyone would say. I think with any kind of lights color temperature, all that stuff. Honestly, I've never used color correction in my entire life. I drag the files from my 5D or whatever I'm shooting with on the Photoshop, edit them, I send them off. I use a Mac. It's always pretty good, I guess. That's kind of sad, but true. But, I mean, I think starting out, though, if people are serious about it, they should invest in a few decently powered monolights. I, I see guys on Strobus and stuff trying to make it work with a little pocket flash, and it's all fine and stuff, and if you like tinkering around, it's cool, but if you're really even semi-serious, it's definitely worth spending three to four hundred bucks on a solid light that'll last you a long time and you know if you get over you can sell on ebay so right <laughs> sometimes i see those guys like trying to make the world happen with a little pocket flash i'm like i could see why that's fun and everything but i don't know <laughs> yeah they, they're just so much nicer than like i mean just to recycle time's instant the I don't know. I can imagine trying to all, like, I, do full portraits with like little 550 cannon flashes. It always impresses me what they're able to pull off with just a couple of battery-powered flashes, though. I know. It's, it's amazing what they can pull off, but at some point I'm like, eh, <laughs> just buy a flash, man. <laughs> yeah, it is nice to have your full range of equipment out there in the field. I mean, I, I pretty much use the same setup lighting-wise whether I'm traveling or around town. And actually, I don't really use the battery packs anymore. I use uh, all generators now. Okay. And you'd be surprised. You can go to you know Home Depot or Costco on a uh, a lucky month, and we'll have a set of generators there, like thirty five hundred watt generators for three hundred bucks. Wow! And I think it's kind of like a secret that no one really. I think there might be like forums out there warning people not to do this or not to use these cheap generators. But my assistants and I have had these things for like three years now, and no problems. You know, three hundred dollar generator just runs all day long. Oh, that's great! Powering like seven mono lights at full power, just boom, boom, boom. Wow! So yeah. I think generators are like one of the secrets. There you go. <laughs> now, is there any wattage requirements or anything like that that you found with, with the generators? Because I had looked into that route at one point and was... Back- it's pretty much just like, it goes along with your, your wattage or your flash unit. If you have, you know, like a 3,500-watt generator might power two, two and a half, 1,200 packs, or five or six white lightnings at full power pretty easily. I've never had... I usually do six monolights, I think they're 600 watts each, so that's about 3,600 watts, and they all go, you know, it's like a three-second cycle time all day long on the one generator. So it's, uh, it's pretty crazy what you can do for a three dollars generator. That explains the, the noise that we hear when you take your shots in, the, in your videos. That's always like, brr, <laughs> That's cool. You can always hear in the background, but yeah, it's kind of noisy and it's kind of a pain sometimes, but I have a pickup truck, so usually we throw it out in the back and all the gear and head on out. They're fun. I think once you go generator, you'll never want to go back to the battery pack. Really? And the, the beeps and all the waiting and, oh man, that sounds oh, miserable. With your light setups, because you, I mean, typically on, on a lot of the videos that we were looking at, you're using, what would you think, five, six lights? Yeah, usually I'll go out there with six lights, so maybe ring lights, so seven total. 
And if I have enough time and care enough about the shot, I'll usually use all six if I can. Just kind of put them all over the place. Kind of depends on the background, too, how much I want to light that during the, the shoot of the subject or how much I want to do after the subject's gone and kind of light the background separately. Okay. So, yeah, usually I find a lot of lights, I guess. But I've seen guys more. <laughs> I also noticed that, that you use a lot of grids. Would you say that's pretty important to what you do? Um, yeah, grids are nice just because, you know, obviously they focus the light on one spot. So if you're trying to light a subject and do a composite, and you don't want light kind of going everywhere. They're very nice for that. And sometimes, uh, actually, I, I pretty much use grids every time almost. So I just like them because they focus the light, and there's no more light bleed anywhere. And right. They work well. I'm going to go out on a limb and say you probably don't meter too much. No, I do when I shoot film sometimes, but I have a meter. It just sits in my camera case. <laughs> right, it looks cool. <laughs> but, uh, it looks cool. I don't think I've ever metered for digital since I've kind of started. That's and great. I can read the LCD pretty well on the back of my can now. So, And the funny thing is, I mean, most of the time you go out there and our lighting sets are so consistent that we'll set up the six lights and literally nine out of ten times there's like maybe a half a stop adjustment and the rest of it's just like, you pretty much just know now great. what to set it to. So. It's here because I need to change it up or something. But. Well, let's talk a little bit about your post-processing. Sure. One thing I see a lot on the, the Dave Hill recipes on the on this online is uh, the mention of high-pass sharpening. A lot of them will talk about using high-pass sharpening and uh, high-pass filters and applying it over and over and over again. And I've tried a couple of these methods, and when I'm done with them, I just think the image looks like total garbage. <laughs> yeah, and what, what's your question then, I guess? Um... Well, let's see. How can I ask this? How do I get my images to look like yours? <laughs> uh, I gotta have a lot of time. I guess. I guess it's just a lot of things. Definitely, like the sharpening involves. I think a lot of those tricks. You know, people have kind of figured out how you can kind of get there. You know, fifty percent. I mean, there fifty percent is just putting in time and kind of knowing what your final result needs to look like and knowing what elements those different like processes to leave in and what elements to take out. I think a lot of guys were just looking for a quick fix, you know, and I know if I had like an hour to put a new image, it would look pretty much like most of those on the forums, pretty bad. Right. But I think a lot of it's just time and knowing what to take out and leave in and just doing tons of layers. I mean, there's definitely no trick. I don't do any HDR or Lucas Arts or whatever that stuff right. is. <laughs> um, I've seen that stuff. It's kind of funny. I'm sad that people like associate my name with that crap because, I don't know, it is pretty bad. It's kind of unfortunate. One of the things that I think comes out pretty clear as soon as you look into it in any depth is that a lot of what you do happens before it ever gets into Photoshop. I mean, it's it's not that you can take any photo off the internet and do some kind of Dave Hill action on it and, and re- you know get, get that look yeah. or whatever. So. so it's definitely a combination. And, you know, I'm not going to, like, poo-poo Photoshop. It's definitely a huge part of what I do. And it takes up more time than the actual shooting, for sure. But, yeah, you know, without a solid file and good shadow detail and all that kind of stuff, your file will never hold up in print later. We're trying to, you know, fix it all on Photoshop. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's definitely a combination, Art- artistically making the work well. I think it's just kind of like saying, you know, here's a paintbrush and a canvas, and here's how the guy brushes it. Now you go do it, and you know, unless you're willing to actually take the time and years to do it, you know, it's never going to come out the same way. Right. Sure. I remember I was studying some guys back in the past. I would think the same thing. I was like, man, there's got to be something that they just a trick, you know? Right. <laughs> I think now that I study some of the same guys years later, I kind of see like more how they were doing it, and just the humanness and the whole thing kind of comes out. And it wasn't just like some filter, but it actually probably took them a lot of hours. <laughs> right. In the process of teaching yourself that stuff is where you really get the learning out of it, too. It really is, and I think it's a, it's a confidence, too, that I can go into a picture now and know that I can apply a couple filters in the beginning and it looks like crap. I'm like, man, it looks like crap. Now I have the confidence to know like what I'm doing that is going to make it look good in the end. So I can just push through hour after hour knowing that the final result will look good and that I'm not wasting my time and doing the wrong technique or something. So I think confidence and time are a big part of getting there. By the way, congratulations on the Forbes cover. 
Oh, thank you very much. That's a big deal. Pretty cool. Definitely like the extreme opposite of the music industry, but I was pretty excited. I wanted to ask you about that. What is it like to go from shooting musicians and this kind of let's come up with a crazy pose to shooting like executives and more corporate clients? Is that a tough transition or was it fun for you? Uh, It's it's pretty nice because you get like 15 minutes with these guys and usually about 30 minutes to set up. And so it's kind of like you don't have a chance to think about it. You just kind of go in there and you just get what you get and you're out before you even know it. It's kind of a painless process. Right. So I do, I appreciate the uh, the quickness of it. I mean, most band editorial shoots are at least an hour, but... I mean, these, these businessmen are like 10, 15 minutes, and that's kind of a different world. I mean, sometimes you go in there, you get 10, 15 minutes, and it looks like crap, and you're like, oh, man. But, <laughs> yeah, like the cover I did, it was I was excited how it came out. I liked it. I was actually, we took five guys on a um, kind of a road trip to Chicago for that, and we played Halo 3 in the back of the car. <laughs> nice. So, I mean, I literally had two assistants going like, hey, can we come for free? And I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> so we just played, we literally played for like seven hours up to Chicago, shot the guys for 20 minutes and played seven hours back. So, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I have a lot of fun with my assistants and friends and stuff doing that. Are your assistants all people that you know, or do you actually pick on people that want to learn from you? It seems like I kind of, I have I have like three or four main guys for the last like three years. A lot of those guys are kind of moving on now to do their own stuff, and that definitely is cool for them. So I've had to kind of branch out a little bit in the last year and start with some new guys. But usually the guys I work with are pretty consistent, and I, I know them pretty well. I don't know, I just, I hate to do shoots alone. It's weird, but I think half my fun is getting to share the experiences with my friends and it's just basically like you're hanging out with your friends and you're kind of working on the side, but mainly it's just a big hangout. So I don't know. That's kind of, and I know a lot of photographers who are very just solo guys and I just, I just couldn't do it. I love traveling with people and getting to share experiences and stuff with people. So I completely agree with you on that. That's why I shoot with Bill all the time. <laughs> right. But, I, I love, I have an office with two photographers and I really like to be around people a lot. And I think when I'm by myself and lonely, I just, I'm never inspired and never excited. It's just fun to be around other photographers and swap ideas and just kind of share stories and like basically like, almost like you're, you know, a company, all three of you, but you're really just kind of all solo. But it also kind of seems like that energy flows into the shot and comes out in the images. I think so. I mean, I think when you have an assistant who's your, like, good friend, you know, he'll, instead of just moving the lights where you want, he'll offer you suggestions and you'll respect him because he's your friend and you'll talk about it beforehand on the plane ride. And, you know, it's it's more of a fun collaborative process, including your assistants, almost like coworkers, instead of just grunts. Right. I don't know, I have a lot of fun with that. It's almost like writing a song together. kind of is, yeah. Except I wish they were there for the post-process. Usually, usually I'm <laughs> not, so. <laughs> like the song gets written, you're like, see ya, man, bye. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> have fun for that. I don't want to take too much more of your time up tonight, but I wanted to let everybody know that if they want to check out your work, you're going to have some of it on exhibition coming up. Yeah, it's uh, the Coos Art Center in Long Beach, and that's starting March 8th, I think it's the first day. So a bunch of photographers, I think it's all music in that show from L.A. area, and I guess from all over the country. I think there's like six people there. It should be pretty cool. You guys should check it out. I'll have, I think, five pieces there, so... For anybody that's listening to the show right now, we can visit the website and get the show notes, and we'll have some more information on there. That's going to be from March 8th to March 22nd. But but Dave, thank you so much for your time and for sharing some of your insight with us. Cool. Well, yeah, I appreciate it, guys. And thanks for putting the videos up. Keep them coming, man. It's an inspiration. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm getting a little swamp these days, but uh, you guys know, they're, they're, they're on their way, so... Well, that's all we have for this episode of Light Source, the brightest podcast on the internet. Be sure to check out the show notes for this episode and all the other Light Source episodes at the website studiolighting.net. And you can also send us an email comment at studiolighting at gmail.com when you can send us comments, questions, or just images that you'd like us to see. And if you really want to get involved with some of the other listeners to the show, you can head over to the Light Source Flickr group 
at www.flickr.com slash groups slash light source. You can post your images and get feedback on your photography as well as seeing the things that we're taking pictures of. And as always, if you missed any of these links, our quick outro here, you can find all of that and more at www.studiolighting.net. Till next time. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com. photocastnetwork.com.